You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Ding, ding. And Brady lost one for Gronkowski, reaching for it, touchdown. Brady's pass, caught, Sneed. All right, we'll tell you the significance of those brief touchdown pass highlights in just a second here. Because I, I had an epiphany about the upcoming NFL season. Sometime in the last, like, 48 hours. It just sort of hit me how excited I am for this football season, mm-hmm. even though everyone's been ragging on football the last couple of years. But we have to talk about the moment we just witnessed 15 minutes ago here in front of our booth at the Minnesota State Fair. It's a top five for me in in the time that we've been doing or that I've been on the stage doing the show. It's top five. It might be top three. It's it's definitely a peak fair moment, right? When you think of, okay, what epitomizes the Minnesota State Fair? You might think, well, a a Pronto Pop. I mean, that's pretty high up on the list, right? Uh, A grandstand concert. It's pretty high up on the list. How about a guy in a motorized cart with four wheels and a prosthetic leg uh-huh. doing a wheelie for a full block in the no pouring way. rain? Yeah, in the pouring rain. In the this pouring is amazing. rain. Peak fair, Jonathan. It was <laughs> it was awe inspiring. And you know what? It didn't even look like he was necessarily showing off. Like he was just doing. This is like the quickest way to get from. I, I don't know. If this it was has got to be the. Ne- this has got to be the next Judd Athlete Challenge, right? <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Once again, we are not. Let Let's be very clear. The Judd Athlete Challenge is not trying to kill Judd. <laughs> well, and Judd trying in your to do, mind. And Judd trying to do that move, although that gentleman made it look so simple. Judd trying to do that would have disastrous consequences, I can assure you of that. Like the, the, the stages of us watching it happen were great, too. Like, st- like Stage one was, <laughs> wow, that guy, is that guy on two wheels? That's amazing, the, the back two wheels. And then, and then you look again, wait a second, does he have one leg, too? No, he's, okay, it, yeah. wow. And, and he just went right amazing. <laughs> And he just went right by. Didn't say. Didn't say a word. Didn't even look pompous. No. He was just doing a wheelie. Just it was like, like it was a pouring a driving rain. Just I like it was a normal part of his life. Yes, yes that's exactly. Awesome. Exactly. It's like it's Tuesday. It's wheelie day. <laughs> it's that simple. The only thing that could have made it more state fair is if he had either like a full uh, crate of Sweet Martha's cookies while doing the wheelie with the prosthetic leg, or if he had um, like one of those. What the, this long dog on a stick or something across from us? <laughs> you know what the great thing is too, the great the one and, and I'm not a state fair guy. I, I enjoyed this job because we get dropped off close by, so it makes it very simple and we get to sit outside. And most days, unlike today, it's nice. But the thing that's great about the state fair, it's like going to a baseball game. You never know what you're going to see. Like on Friday, it's lightning out, and somebody lights up a cigarette and goes stand and stands below a tree t- to smoke it. Now, that's not safe. It's not smart. But it's one of those things where you're like, damn, I never thought I'd see that. I'm like, surprised. I can't go out of my front yard in St. Louis Park and be like, I wonder what I'll see yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, some places in St. Louis Park <laughs> you might be able to. But um, So, yeah, we're hanging out here at the Minnesota State Fair. It's definitely soggy. The weather has not been on our side the last few days. But uh, that's okay. Come on out and uh, get drenched with us. We do have ponchos now, by the way. A bunch of people have stopped by. Our, uh, our promo booth is open, so we do have ponchos if you were ill-prepared on your way to the fair. $3. 
But and, and Bruce Boudreaux is going to join us on stage, unless there's some sort of weather cancellation. He's going to join us on stage at 9.30. And uh, later on, Kate Mortensen will give us an update. She's the CEO of the Minneapolis Final Four Local Organization Committee, and she'll give us an update on the next big event coming to the Twin Cities. That'll be in the noon hour. But I had this epiphany, Judd. Yep. Yeah, I, football's always you're, like. How can you not be watching football on a weekly basis with the Vikings? How, how good they are now! So I, I was going to watch football very intently this season, regardless, because the Vikings are uh, supremely relevant. But I think it struck me as I was watching Hard Knocks, binging over the weekend, and then just catching glimpses uh, glimpses of what should have been bad preseason football. It's not that the NFL has thirty-two awesome quarterbacks, but I think the NFL has more interesting quarterbacks and intriguing quarterbacks than at any point in recent history. Because you've got this merging of a handful of Hall of Fame old guard guys, like the Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, maybe throw another guy in there. You've got this incredible, almost a Mount Rushmore of, put Peyton Manning on there, maybe a Brett Favre, and you've got, you've got like a Mount Rushmore argument of great modern-day quarterbacks. Mixed with... All these other guys who are interesting and young from Andrew Luck coming back and Dak Prescott. Even there was a Bills-Browns preseason game the other week. Uh-oh. And uh, nothing, nothing. by the way. I mean, thank you very much. I'm going up to 40-inch waist uh, jeans after this. Thanks a lot. Sweet Martha's. This is all your fault, Sweet Martha's. This is all your fault. <laughs> thank you and good morning. Bye. Um, I'm watching a couple weeks ago a Bills-Browns preseason game, yep. which on paper is the most torturous NFL viewing experience you can envision. But you got two first-round high draft pick quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, and it's sort of intriguing to watch Baker Mayfield out there trying to figure out how to be an NFL quarterback. So I just think going into the year with all of these interesting and intriguing quarterbacks, it's making me even more excited for the NFL season. I also think it's it's really intriguing in a lot of ways to watch uh the first round picks when it comes to that position as well and and how they're handled and some teams start them immediately and some teams take four games i keep going back to this though and here's what i don't get if you're the jets what's the rush what's the rush like sam darnold intrigues me right i don't see any benefit to starting him week one and i don't see and Bill Polian says a lot of outdated, weird stuff that I don't agree with. But the one thing that he, he's talked about, and actually comes from his uh, career as an executive being in charge of the Colts, is Peyton. And saying, if I had it to do again, Manning would sit in 98. And I would play him in 99 because there was so much to absorb mm-hmm. and learn. And, and Rodgers had to wait too long. But fundamentally, he is the quarterback he is today because he didn't get thrown in immediately. If he had started four games in as a rookie, his entire career is, is different. So the the rookie thing really interests me because I got to think, Phil, that somebody's going to come along here pretty soon again and say, we're drafting you in the first round, and you're one, you're not playing. Mm-hmm. Like if Teddy Bridgewater, for instance, starts the entire season for the Jets, what's the downside there? Sam Darnold doesn't play. I get that. But then he comes back in year two and plays, and he's got an entire season to absorb, to learn. It, we know for a fact that that position is one of, if not the most intricate position to learn in all of sports, and the step from college to pros is enormous. So that's the one thing I keep coming back to. I, I want to see the team that finally says, you're going to be a hell of a quarterback, but part of the process is a grooming process that's going to be your entire first season. The other funny thing about the Jets is, outside of, I don't know, 
three, four years of healthy Chad Pennington, they haven't had a franchise caliber, just one franchise caliber quarterback that you would trust for a long stretch. A guy who could, you could you could argue is one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL since Joe Namath. Unless you put Ken O'Brien in that I mix from say the you early go back 90s. to Ken O'Brien and the guy like Richard Todd when I was a kid, but those I are mean, all eminently forgettable yeah. players. Those aren't great players. And and now they're sitting here, and I think I don't know if they're having this debate internally, but we're all having this debate on their behalf. Well, who, who can you trade Teddy Bridgewater to? And the more I think about it, and Kevin Seifert brought this up on our show yesterday, if you've gone that long and you had five minutes of Chad Pennington and maybe like league average Ken O'Brien before a lot of people were born who are listening. Actually, maybe not. I don't know. When was Ken O'Brien? He was late 80s, 80s. early 90s, yeah, right? So no, Probably, you're probably right. Um, you know, why would you be in a rush to start trading away guys? Because it's possible you have you have three guys who could be starting caliber quarterbacks on your roster right now. So I'm on the Jets. I might, just for the purpose of sitting for a full season with multiple guys who are at least competent yep. or have potential, I might sit on that. Uh, what I would call an embarrassment of riches for them historically. Yeah, I just don't. That, that's the one position that I really think. I think teams almost at times sort of guess. They're like, you seem like you know Trubisky last year, four games in. Okay, it seems like like you can play. And I just the more I think about this scenario, I don't see the downside of starting to draft quarterbacks and saying part of this deal is a redshirt year, unless you are a generationally just unbelievable talent. But those are few and far between. That's mm-hmm. that's not the norm. That there's going to be studies or there's going to be something that shows that there is something to be gained by by taking the Rodgers model less so. You don't mm-hmm. sit for four years. Yeah. But let's say you sit for a year. What's, so if Bridgewater plays the entire season and, and his knee holds up, his value, number one, potentially skyrockets, right? He could be damn good. He's played before. And and Darnold gets to sit behind that and go to meetings and learn and and Teddy's the type of guy who's probably going to help Darnold out. Yeah. So I do think that the quarterback position, as we talk about this, is evolving, and I don't think it's done yet. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm just looking at just the, the list of NFL teams in the standings right now, and I, I could honestly go through of the 32 teams, 27 of them have really interesting quarterback situations right now, or or in, in, interesting. If you're Jacksonville, because almost all the other give pieces me the are in place, right? Give, give me the ones who wouldn't make your list. So the Bengals wouldn't make my list because they're on the downfall, and Dalton, we, we yeah. know who Andy Dalton is. Sure. And it's, he's just, I think he's got one more year of guaranteed money left, and then they can cut bait or do whatever they want with him next year. Um, Miami, Ryan Tannehill, you could make a case. Hey, Ryan Tannehill before the injury had some franchise quarterback potential, but I might just I might put them on the non-interesting list. Um, but otherwise, I mean. The Titans, you could say, yeah, Marcus Mariota, but yeah, that's still but a young no, quarterback going young. into his third year. Yeah, he could be just fine. Uh, Denver's interesting because Case Keenum was getting MVP consideration for a while last year. Can he? Can he, did he? Did he get to the next level? And I full, I fully expect him to take a, a step backwards. The Giants with Eli Manning, yes. who was two Super Bowl rings and borderline Hall of Fame caliber, with weapons around him and Pat Shermer. That's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I would even say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Jameis Winston, who was. This highly touted quarterback struggling with off-the-field issues. That's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington with Alex Smith. Arizona oh, yeah. with Josh Rosen and Sam Bradford. It's, yep. Even I think Vikings fans would disagree with this, but Mitch Trubisky going into his second year. Okay, that's a first-round draft pick. He could be good. There's so many interesting quarterback situations, and then we're not even counting the ones like Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson and that are already yes. established. So yes. my excitement and my appetite for NFL football is maybe even heightened, and it's heightened because so many people are... 
are going the other way with the NFL, that it's toxic because of this. And, it's, and I agree with a lot of those things, that the anthem stuff is toxic. The domestic violence stuff is toxic. Um, sort of the, I guess, the lack of an inclusive nature is, is toxic. But as, but, a fa- as a fan, it's intriguing. Like, as, as a, I get every sport has, has lots of flaws and problems. There's no sport that doesn't. Mm-hmm. But, yes, football, football does have the gift of having a ton of intriguing storylines. And, once again, it's the great American sport because you play it once a week. So there's always anticipation. Yep. The anticipation is the best part. It, if it's for the, the season. The waiting is the hardest part? Is that? <laughs> Thank you, Tom Petty. But they do. They do a fantastic job with all with all of the off-season stuff that they do and the fact that it never truly stops. They do a marvelous job of walking you up to it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's once a week. So, yeah, I'm. it's got its problems. but And it, this is probably, for me, largely because the uh, Vikings are expected to be so good. But I'm with you. I've been anticipating the season for about a month now. And, yeah. and that doesn't mean that I don't have frustrations but there are there are a lot of things including the fact how good is cousins going to be i'm still curious about that i think he's going to be good i think that the vikings made the right move by replacing keenum with cousins but it's still it's not a slam dunk are we ready to crown to crown chad bb mr mankato yet i think we have to be close i think we have to be close i think the running backs uh Boone and Thomas sort of uh, canceled each other out, and they also didn't do as much in Week 3. Chad Beebe, I think, is going to make the roster. They're all going to get a lot of run in, in this game later this week, though. I think Beebe makes the roster. Boy. I was doing So a, who would their wide receivers be then? So Thielen Diggs, Thielen, uh, Treadwell. Treadwell. Is Kendall Wright I think, out? Uh, no, I think he's going to make it. But after that, after that, it's uh, it's it, there's no sure things. I think Beebe, if Beebe has a good game on Thursday... I think he makes it. You know, I think you have to keep him just to prevent him from going to the Patriots. Because you know if he hits the streets, he will catch 90 passes hey. at some point in the next two years on the New England Patriots. How cooked must Eric Decker have been that he retired, and I saw a report this morning that the Patriots actually were going to try to trade him. Yeah. Er- if Eric Decker, in his prime, would have gone in the Patriots Hall of Fame, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Brady would have been like, I'm going to throw you the ball every stinking yeah. time. So they were, so they knew he was cooked, and they were going to try and deal him for, like, evidently, a six-round pick or Evidently, something. they were going to try and <laughs> trade him, and he's like, no, 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 you know what, I'm good. And I'm he was available to my beautiful for, wife. Okay, that's it's classic Patriots. He was available for everyone a week and a half ago to yeah. sign, and, well, now, and you're going to pick him up? Of course they were. I try it's to, Belichick. I pull that in every fantasy league I'm ever in. Like, a baseball, oh, I picked up this guy, and he hit 300 this week. Let's try and trade him. And, he was available to everyone. And you know what? There's a sucker in every league, including the National Football yes. League. Um, all right, we actually have a pretty jam-packed 9 o'clock hour because Bruce Boudreaux is going to join at the bottom of the hour around 9.30. Later on, we're going to do our first. It's our preseason pigskin pecking order. It's back because the NFL is back. Where do the Vikings fall? Assuming they fall in the top ten for both of us somewhere. So we'll do that. When we come back here, and Jonathan Harrison is uh, producing our show today, he found a clip from the jump on ESPN, the, the Rachel Nichols show with all the ro- the rotating panel. And let's just say you and I might have been ahead of the curve on our Wolves speculation and even panic. Some interesting things from credible NBA talking heads on the upcoming Timberwolves season. We'll play a clip from that and we'll react. Mackie and Judd live from the Minnesota State Fair. Mackie and Judd, welcome back to the Minnesota State Fair where it's pretty much pouring rain all morning. Yeah, this is beautiful out here. 
This is absolutely beautiful. You know what I love, though? People still come out and walk around with their umbrella, and it's like yeah. it's 80 degrees and sunny to them. I think it, I think you look at the calendar before the fair comes out, and you, maybe you got a day or two that you free up on the schedule, and you just cross your fingers and hope for good weather. Yep. But it's supposed to do this most of the morning. It's not going to get above 70, I don't think, today, but it's kind of humid. I don't know. I got the long sleeve I think this on. is the most that it's rained since the two of us have been doing this show together. I think... Two days of rain is the most. Now, I've been yeah. rained on on the Saturday stage before, but I want to say Mackie and Judd's had a pretty good run of non-rain days. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe it's symbolic. <laughs> What's going on, man? I didn't hear you, but... Oh, oh thank, thank you. <laughs> and we love you, too. <laughs> we have a fan. Yes. <laughs> Sit down in the rain and watch the show. It's great. Yeah. That's how riveting. Much, how much of a fan are you really? You Park your ass on that bench. I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> give you a cookie. All right, so... Let's just let's let's play this clip from the jump. You you and I have been awfully nervous on behalf of the Timberwolves all summer. I and I and I gotta say, like as soon as the off season hit, my first thought was get I, two thoughts: get Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and Tom Thibodeau. Scott Layden's going to be on the show tomorrow, by yeah, the way. I don't know how much he's going to address this stuff, but not much. Um, but get get everyone in a room, have a come to Jesus meeting. Yep, and just. Get your vision right. You're all trying to you're trying to win a bunch of games, and you're trying to push towards something bigger that can last for multiple years. Uh, so that, that was number one, and it, it, I don't think that's happened yet because Towns hasn't signed a max contract yet. It doesn't seem know. like it. Or if it did happen, I don't know if it's had the the right yeah. effect. But the second thought was, if you think there's even a fifty percent chance Jimmy Butler, or even a twenty percent chance he's going to go somewhere else, yeah. you should explore trading him. If the Lakers are willing to give you one of their star young players, or or I don't know if stars the right word, but like blossoming young players yep. for Jimmy Butler, you should consider that because he can leave and sign anywhere he wants after the offseason. And what's your best case scenario this year? An eight championship. And so I've thought to myself, are, are we being too uh, uh, doom and gloom? Are we being, is, is the national perspective, are the people who really know and talk to, to the top sources, do they know more than we do? And, and are we being too negative about this? Let's play this clip, though, and let's listen to what the national perspective is about Butler, Cat, and the Wolves. In, in my mind, it's not just about the contract. Nick, if this season doesn't get off to a good start for the Wolves, where the West is tougher than it's ever been, um, I think Jimmy Butler will start to pop up in trade rumors because the Wolves have already got to be concerned about keeping him long term. So this, whether this story triggers it or not, we're going to see some tension that comes with, with Butler and the Wolves probably this fall. Even more tension, because that right. tension was building throughout the last year. But guys, Jimmy to Los Angeles has been something that we've heard about for several years. I mean, dating back to when he was still with the Bulls, this was always the place uh, that he enjoyed visiting. He's got a, a place out here. It makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels, but to what you were saying, do you think Tibbs, in all of his infinite Tibbs wisdom, <laughs> can sit down in a room with Jimmy and say, are you really going to leave? And Jimmy's going to say, well, you know, it's possible. I, I just don't know if Tom, knowing what's on the line this season, could pull the trigger on a deal, whether it was now or three or four months from now. Yes, I think that the Wolves, as a franchise, are on a razor's edge because I think they could really go either way. Um, you know, they, they are a team that was in third place last year when Jimmy got hurt, and they can look in the mirror and say, hey, listen, we are an elite team. But we've seen the West get better. We've seen the power base increase with LeBron coming to the Lakers. They were the eighth seed last year. They can't have a backslide. They have any sort of backslide or even well, stay. Can't you say that this summer has been a little bit of a backslide, given just how outward 
their drama internally and the dislike between their three stars uh, is. That's what I mean. And if they don't get off to a good start, the pressure is really going to ramp up Isn't here. This... Even, but is it repairable through the season? Or are we just... I don't know. I, 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 you were around them a lot last year. I don't think... I think ultimately they can be a successful team. And I think they had moments last year where they were really good. But Wiggins hasn't you know, matured to the level that they thought he would. Um, Carl Towns and Jimmy Butler clearly don't seem to operate at the highest level around each other. It doesn't mean that that can't change, but the Timberwolves, at, at the beginning of every year, we look for you know, like a team turmoil. Who do we have our eye on that potentially yeah. could have some issues? Minnesota is sort of sitting in that seat right now. Definitely that's what we're watching, and these reports like this don't help. All right, so that's, <laughs> that's a lot to unpack, but it's also a lot that we've already unpacked earlier just on our show earlier this summer. And w- Wendy went on to also address the fact that Cat still hasn't signed the max extension, which is sitting in front of him, that no player in the history of the league who's had this opportunity has passed on that contract, and that it's very odd that it wouldn't have been signed because ordinarily guys get that contract, yeah, and they don't wait. They just put their name right, on it. Because, like, it so it went on. Think about think about it's everything we've talked about. Think about letting a one hundred fifty million dollar guaranteed yeah. contract sit for more than two seconds. If someone slid that in front of you, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit on this for about two months. Two months. How unhappy of an employee must you be if you do that? It's it's a message of some kind. It's either it, it's either hesitance because you're not sure you want to be with that organization, or it's a message. And I think what Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler either don't understand fully or don't want to acknowledge fully, is that the most important piece to that trio is Carl Anthony Towns. And I get he's not a perfect, polished, finished product. He has work to do defensively. He gets a little whiny. Maybe he's a little high-maintenance millennial vibe, right? But, that's, but that comes with how great of a player he is. And, it's, and on the flip side, if you're Carl Anthony Towns, should you maybe embrace Jimmy Butler more than you have? Is there is there some middle ground here where both guys need each other? I think I think both could look at the other if they were being optimistic and open minded and say, you know what, that's like like to to pair with that for the next three to five years. If you're Carl Anthony Towns, to pair with a bulldog lockdown defensive wing player uh-huh. who will take games over at the end as you're rising through the ranks as a young player, like you should want that, right? If you're Jimmy Butler, shouldn't you want one of the best young big men who can shoot three pointers? who's passionate, shouldn't you want that by your side for the next three to five years? It's, and then if you're Tom Thibodeau and you see the potential of this, shouldn't you want to galvanize this group? Shouldn't you? It, it, it feels so unnecessarily divisive to me, and I agree with everything that panel said. If you don't have a way to flip the switch and make it right as soon as possible, you should explore other options, trading Jimmy Butler. So this is where... My guess assessment and enthusiasm about the Butler trade, where I, where I misread it, misjudged it, and screwed up. I thought that Butler was going to be the conduit between star players and Tibbs. I thought Butler was going to come in and explain Tibbs' speak to the rest of the team. And the most important players at the time were Wiggins and Towns. Now it's Towns. Just Towns. But instead of that happening, it's almost it's like Butler and Tibbs think the exact same way. Neither one of them has, has the ability to explain themselves or their philosophies to Cat. And so Cat feels, and, and the worst part and the unnecessary part of, about all this, while it's great for, fun for us to watch play out, is you know the Instagrams by Butler and the tweeting 
and these and basically trying to passive aggressively from California send a message. So everything you said, my answer is absolutely yes. This should work. This should have worked. But instead, it's like Butler and Tibbs in, in their own little fiefdom against mm. the world. This is this is actually even more counterproductive than just Tibbs and Cat yeah. because now now it's an ally for Tibbs. But the worst part about this is it's the departed because Butler Butler's going to leave Tibbs, and I don't even know if Tom sees that coming. The, the thing we should be talking about ideally is how good can Andrew Wiggins get with this new contract kicking in. Man, if everything else is right here, if Andrew Wiggins can yes, get to that next that step, that should have been the offseason discussion. Then this team can fight for a Western Conference Finals spot against the Warriors or something, right? That should have been our discussion yeah. all offseason. And it is still a discussion because it is still a critical piece to what they're doing. But no one's mentioning him, Phil. Yeah. Like, like they didn't even mention his name, and and it, he's become he's a forgotten factor here because. Basically, in trying to read the tea leaves, we see that a potential or your star player is being alienated. Yeah, it's all it's it's, and the season starts here in what less than two months. It's it's deflating. You waited 14 years for a player like Carl Anthony Towns. Well, you waited. I guess you had Kevin Garnett in 2007. So you waited. You waited a decade for another player in that universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you waited for the Wolves to bring in a high-profile either free agent or trade. Like, all these things happened. And it might just be that it was a two-year thing and Jimmy Butler goes somewhere else and now you're back to well, – then what are you back to? Now you're back to a bloated Andrew Wiggins contract and yep. Carl Anthony Towns. I think at this point what um, Brian Windhorst said I think is, is correct, that Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau are attached at the hip. They're handcuffed together. If Jimmy Butler decides to sign somewhere else, you might get one more year of Tom Thibodeau, but I, I don't see him sticking around. Tibbs took this job and within six months basically decided, okay, I'm, enough of this young guy stuff. We're bringing in Jimmy Butler, and yeah. we're going to bring in Derrick Rose as soon as I can get Derrick Rose. And know and if I can get him. Right, and if, and, mm-hmm. if, and if that's gone, I think now you're resetting again with another coach and another gentleman. I think, I mean, I think, Tib, I think Tibbs thinks he's married to Butler. I think Butler has a wandering eye. I think there's a really good chance mm-hmm. that, that Jimmy ups and leaves. Now, the comeback to that is, okay, if, if Jimmy leaves, that solves the problem because Cat's happy. Cat seems to me to be going down this path of, I don't really like it here. And so, so, now, so now what you're left with is if Butler leaves and Tibbs either leaves or gets fired, you're left with Glenn Taylor's going to need to go to Cat and say, what do you want? Or else you're going to lose everybody eventually. Yeah. I, but there's no. But in playing that clip, my point is our reaction, basically since the season came to an end, is the reaction of everybody. Windhorse talks to people who know exactly what's going yeah. on, agents and players and coaches. So this is not him just guessing. He knows yeah. things about. This. I, I I do want to speak, to, and we're going to get Bruce Boudreau up here in about five minutes or so, uh, live at the rainy Minnesota State Fair, but. I want to speak to something, because I think there's a lot of optimistic Wolves fans who are saying, you guys, they won a bunch of games. They went to the playoffs last year. If everyone's healthy, even if there's some strife and, and everyone doesn't get along perfectly, they're going to do it again this year. They're going to compete and or get to the playoffs. And I think if they get there and they don't play the Warriors in the first round, they have a chance to win a playoff series. And I, I still think those things. Why is there such angst? Why are you guys perpetuating this angst? And I think it's because you want to feel like, there's a path forward. You want to feel like 
You've got you've got this generational talent in Towns, and you've got Butler in his prime, and you want to feel like it's not just a two-year-and-done, strife-ridden experience. You want to feel like, oh, this could last for five or ten years, and if you play your cards right, you could really leverage it into something big in the Western Conference. Instead, it feels like, boy, they might have one more year, this pairing, and one more year of whatever this is. And what are you going to win in that year? A first-round playoff right. series, maybe? Right. So, I don't know. They... they and I get why I get why they wanted to hit the gas pedal and accelerate and win now. And I understand why Tom Thibodeau wants to wants to expedite the process. But are you just accelerating into a Warriors dynasty and and creating strife along the way? That's what it feels like right now. The fact that you've got your star player with a max contract sitting in front of him and he refuses to sign it, and he eventually will, but he won't for now. If that doesn't make you at least pause and say. This is more Wolves dysfunction. Yeah. Then you're not paying attention. Yeah. We're going to get Bruce Boudreau, coach of the Minnesota Wild, up here shortly. And later on in the noon hour, Kate Mortensen is the CEO of the Minneapolis Final Four Organization Committee. And she's going to shed some light on the next huge event coming to the Twin City sports scene. So plenty to get to on Mackie and Judd. Bruce Boudreau expected to join us shortly. Mackie and Judd hanging out here at the Minnesota State Fair. That was a lot of Wolves panic in that last segment, but I, I just... It, it's not panic know, to me. It's, it is the fact that I think, unfortunately, we're on the right path. Yeah. That's it. It's not... Listen, I don't expect great things, but I, you brought up the idea of trading Butler for a long time now. And if things are going in the direction that 95% of the, the world with this organization thinks they're going in... Your idea makes a ton of sense. You at least have to explore it. If you don't explore it and you think you're going to keep him and he walks, that is malpractice. That's basketball malpractice. Well, a month ago, we brought this up for a brief moment on the show a month ago. I did just a radio hit when Brian Dozier got traded to the Dodgers, and I jumped on ESPN LA on the Mason and Ireland show, and John Ireland is the voice of the Lakers. He's the radio voice of the Lakers. Super plugged in. Mike Trudell, who from the Twin Cities. He's the Lakers.com guy. And so these guys are as plugged in as it gets. And I said, let me ask you guys a question. If you went to the Lakers right now and you said, Jimmy Butler for either Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram. And so you get that veteran piece. You still get to keep one of your good young players under a team-friendly contract. And you, you also get LeBron and Jimmy Butler as a veteran nucleus. What would the Lakers say? How would that phone call go? And Ireland paused for a second. He said, I don't think they'd hang up right away. They wouldn't laugh right away. But if you put yourself in the shoes of the Lakers, even if you were to make that phone call, it makes more sense for them to be patient for a year because they have enough cap room next year to get a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard and keep those two young players. So in theory, they could have Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma on team-friendly contracts, those rookie deals, with LeBron James and then whichever max player they want to add. Jimmy Butler included. The Lakers have done a fantastic job of building a dollar store roster for 2018-19. Yeah. Because they can just blow that roster up now. So, yeah, by the yeah, way, they're, so, yeah. they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna make right. the playoffs with the dollar store roster for sure. Yeah, come on up. Bruce Boudreaux is here, braving the rain right now. What kind of food do you have there, Megan? No umbrella. <laughs> they got to get you an umbrella, Bruce. You got to get the poor guy. You got to get the poor guy an umbrella. Grab I mean, a he's headset a here. guy, but still. Here you go. Mackie it's and Judd live. And, and, and Sweet Martha's brings us breakfast every morning, so feel free to, to dive in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, pop the headset on. Mackie and Judd live at the rainy Minnesota State Fair. So what have you, what have you dove into so far, food-wise? There's nothing right now. 
Or <laughs> are you fasting those, this morning? What were those fritters? Crab fritters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not too bad. No, everything's great here. That's why. You <laughs> that's the only... problem with it, though. That's, yes. That's the problem. I'm I'm the type of guy who, who looks at food and gains ten pounds. Mm-hmm. So this is not good for me. Well, if you think you're that kind of guy, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the the one thing that I it's uniquely Minnesotan, but it's also uniquely state fair. And it, you're either in or you're not. They have hot dish on a stick down the street, about two blocks that way. Mm-hmm. It looks mm-hmm. like a corn dog. You bite it in, and it's just hot dish with like cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> So if you're feeling it sometime today, it's kind of cold out today. Yeah, I won't be feeling it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest ferry in Canada? What's the biggest one that you well, guys got? Well, there's one that's very similar, probably just as big. It's uh, the CNE in Toronto. Okay. It's been going on for 120 years now. But it's very similar. It takes up, uh, you know, it, it, this, this kind of size um, has concerts every night. And it's just, you know, it, it goes, runs through to Labor Day. Nice. Very similar. Yeah. What What's your experience been like here for a few years? Just your your Minnesota experience in general, outside of I'm sure you would like to have hosted a cup here by now. But aside from that, well, the experience has been great. I mean, the people have been fabulous to me and my family. Quite frankly, um, the one thing you'd like to change is you'd like to, the snow to end in about February third. Yeah. It's a little depressing. Th- I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, but being a Canadian, I mean. Well, <laughs> I guess I can't complain. It's a, <laughs> it's it's the same weather you grew up with your whole life. But no, and you know what? The other thing is they're rabid hockey fans, and uh, uh, when you get rabid hockey fans, it, you know, gives. I'm allowed to talk to people, and they know what they know what I'm talking about. So it's great. Uh, I have no complaints with this uh, with this area, and um, I would love to be the one uh, the one coach here that could. Uh, bring a Stanley Cup to to, to Minnesota or St. Paul, Minneapolis. Uh, I think uh, I think this place would go nuts. Yes. Oh, it would for sure. Yes, it, we've it been, would for sure. We've no been parade deprived. The Lynx have given us some nice parades. We've been parade deprived with the heritage franchises, though, in this mm-hmm. in this city. So yeah. yes. So I mean, that's you know, it's, uh, it's something I told Craig when I got the job. I said that I'd think about that every day, and it wasn't a lie, and I still do uh, think about. Uh, uh, what we'd like to do with the cup for the day, and every time you see it uh, uh, in the summer, and you're reading about what a guy's doing with the cup for yes. the day and where it's been, it makes you really jealous. So I mean, hopefully, uh, the, you know, the window's not closed for the the group that we have right now, and that uh, we can put a pretty good run together and and, uh, and give it a shot. What was that uh, like for you? You to see the Caps, a team that you had previously coached, win the cup, and Ovechkin. I honest to God don't think I've ever seen a professional athlete have as much fun as he did for about two weeks there. Well, he, he's a fun guy, believe <laughs> me, and uh, and well deserved. And and how I felt about it was was seven years removed since I've been there. I was very happy for the guys that were still there, um, the Nick Backstroms and the Alex Ovechkins. There has been a lot of uh, heat on them for ten years to yep. to win the cup, and and right now, I mean, uh, you could see the emotion uh, when he um, hugged Nicky. To me, it started to tear me up because I knew how how those guys had gone through everything and uh, and how much it meant to them now, and uh, and that's that's important. I think in the beginning, I had them when they were 21 and 22. They didn't realize, you know, we were winning everything. We had 120 points a year. Yeah. They thought this was going to happen forever, and and didn't realize how tough to win the cup it really is. So I think they when they won the cup, they they. Uh, they celebrated in kind, and I'm sure uh, all of Moscow is a little jealous <laughs> that uh, Alex had the cup everywhere with him, too. Lots of beer c- consumed there for about two weeks. 
Ovechkin, was was the previous Bruce Knox against him unfair? Because it seemed like he took a lot of heat for a long time, and then this this sort of justified his career, right or wrong. Was, was that unfair that he previously took so much heat, you think? Well, when you're the leader of the team and the team loses, you always go after the leader, right? I mean, uh, I think, though, the what really happened was, you know, um, uh, in the beginning, the Stanley Cup didn't mean as much to Alex as it would mean to somebody that's, born in a hockey town and lived through it their whole life his big goal was to do great during the season and i mean if he could win win but the minute he lost he was on a plane to russia for the world championships and i think that was uh, that was something that was really prevalent uh, in his mind at that time because actually he had putin phoning him and everything to, to make sure that he was he was there <clears throat> But over the years, when they kept losing, I think that really drained on them. And and uh, and so this year, the notice, the the difference I noticed was every time he did an interview, it was we and us as a team. And rather than I have to score to win the, for the team to win, it was always we. And when he didn't do it, and somebody else did, he was very happy for them. And he got totally into that team concept. And that comes with maturity. That comes with uh, you know, doing what he's done for the last 13 years. And I think that was a big part of it. And you could tell that on the bench that when another player scored during the playoffs or when something good was happening, he was genuinely, and I can tell when he was not genuinely happy, but he was genuinely just as thrilled for them because he was part of the team and the team was winning. Yeah, Bruce Boudreaux is with us here live at the soggy Minnesota State Fair. Uh, I and I, I don't say this just to blow smoke. I thought Washington was crazy to part ways with you. I thought Anaheim was, and when you were available for the Wild, it, it, it was a no-brainer. My question to you is: Why are why are NHL coaching shelf lives so so short? Why are they three, four, five? If you look at a list of the current coaches in the NHL of the thirty franchises, like twenty-six of the coaches were hired in the last two years or three years. It's it's insane to me. It, it it's insane to me too. I mean. <laughs> I think if you have a good coach, you got to keep him, right? But um, it's an awful lot easier to get rid of the coach uh, who doesn't make anywhere near what the, what the players make. Now, yeah. the coaches are starting to make some good money, so they're keeping them around a little bit longer. I mean, they're not it's not just uh, whimsical. The team's doing bad for a five-game spin and boom, get rid of them. But sometimes, you know, I mean, the uh, the, the message doesn't get through anymore. And when the message doesn't get through, the team stagnates, and, you know, that that, that happens. I mean, I don't know, uh, quite frankly, if that happened with me in the, the situations, but, I mean, uh, I, I uh, that's that's a lot of the, the reasons why coaches get let go. This is not to put down winning championships in all sports because it's difficult in all pro sports to win. But take me through just how difficult you think it is to win a cup. Because to me, when I watch the playoffs, I mean, first of all, they go forever now because they're all mm. uh, best four of seven. But also just that just that grind and that mentality and guys getting hurt and playing hurt, how difficult is that to, to not just be successful and make the playoffs, which can be tough, but also make that run through the spring? Well, first of all, making the playoffs in the NHL is really tough now. I mean, half the teams make it and half the teams don't, and, and there's a lot of good teams that don't make it. But that being said, it's, the Stanley Cup is a two-month run. When you think about it, it's you've got to be at the top of your game for two months, and you've got to play the, the best teams seven potentially seven times. And to come away with it and to win, you've got to be really – 
things have got to fall for you. You have to have luck. You have to be injury-free most of the time, at least to the key players. And uh, um, and you need the breaks. I mean, Washington was the first one that it would tell you last year. This year we finally got the breaks, you know, and they did. And, yeah. uh, I mean, they could have been out of it in the first round. They were down 2-0, and, and Columbus hit the the crossbar in the in the first overtime where they would have been down 3-0 and out of it. Then, then what would have happened? But... So once they started building that momentum and started to believe that, hey, we can do it. And I think beating Pittsburgh, once they beat Pittsburgh, I would, I would have bet any amount of money that they were going to win because that was the, 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 the hurdle that they couldn't get over. Yeah. And they finally got over it, and so they, they went all the way. So good for them. It was sort of like when the Red Sox beat the Yankees in the 2004 ALCS. No one even remembers. They still had to play four games against the Cardinals, but it was it felt like a foregone conclusion, right? And it was right? a four-game sweep, and it wasn't yeah. even close. Yep. You know, I mean, it was just like we just a deep breath, and they beat the Yankees, which they shouldn't have, by the way. Didn't like that one. Being a Yankee fan, well, three uh, you got yeah, enough championships. Yeah. You're a Yankee <laughs> fan. I know, I know. Well, when you're as old as I am, when you're growing up in Canada in Toronto, and this, the only baseball games that were on TV were the Yankees. You know, the only football yep. games that were on were Cleveland. So I'm a Cleveland Brown fan, too. Oh, poor so Bruce. It's been two years since wait, you won a football wait, game. It makes no sense to be a Yankee fan and a Browns fan. <laughs> I, know, yeah, I mean, pick, pick an in-between here, Bruce. Well, again, in the, in the 60s and 70s the, and the 80s, the Browns were pretty good. That's true. You know, they were, yeah, they had they had the Jim Brown run in the '60s, Leroy and then Roy Kelly, and then you know they had Bernie Kosar. They had yep. them all. Hey, one more. I know like a like minute left, and I know you have to get to uh, other places here. But you brought up the Brown. We've been all in on Hard Knocks, documenting the Browns. Okay. What was it like when was it the the twenty four seven Winter yeah, Classic yeah. documentation? What was that whole thing like for you? You know, I thought it was fun. I mean, it, <laughs> that locker room it, clip was amazing. We play it on our show all the time. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it everywhere I go to. Uh, uh, it, it depends on how you, if you embrace it for what it is, selling the game. Yeah, for then, sure. Then it's good. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting there and you're trying to be okay, I, I'm not going to give any information or anything like that. Uh, then uh, you come across pretty, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, but it's bland and boring. Bland and boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, they told us that the, the HBO had uh, full access and to tell them everything. So we did. And, like, even that one locker room scene that we talked about, I asked them to leave, and they didn't leave. And I said, oh, well, here goes. Here <laughs> we got to win a game. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Bruce Boudreaux, thanks Bruce, for coming thank up, man. Hey, it's great. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Mackie and Judd back with more from the fair next. Tune in Tuesdays at 6 p.m. for the Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken. Every week, Jamie Watson and Adrian Heath will be breaking down Minnesota United, Major League Soccer, and more right here on 1500 ESPN. Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan Harrison doing a great job behind the scenes, as is uh, James Murphy all week, just working back in the studio while we sit out here at the Minnesota State Fair. That was that was great. Bruce Boot, you and I both love Bruce Boudreau. We, we think he's a great coach. We think he's got uh, just a, a great, likable personality. No BS. fun having him on. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. He and Zimmer sitting down together would be fantastic. They're very Like, similar, I just love right? to hear them talking to each other about their, their respective sports and their yeah. coaching philosophies. A lot of f bombs. You'd get a lot. You'd get a lot of four-letter words, but it'd be fun yeah. to listen to. Yeah. Well, he's. I loved what he said right off the bat, and he said it unprompted uh, that he wants to be the coach that brings the first Stanley Cup championship to Minnesota, and he feels like the fan base here is one of the smartest fan bases. And I would agree with that. I, and how could it not be? It's Minnesota. We should have smart hockey fans here. Uh, but I, 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 I hope he's right. It, it would be, it would be fun if he stuck around and if they could figure this thing out. I just worry that 
they've got so many contractual issues. And my, I guess my biggest fear on behalf of him would be that he becomes a scapegoat the next two years for something that's not really and truly his fault. Sure, and keep, keep in mind, too, the new GM is not his guy, which can always be uh, a problem as well. Yeah. Uh, the other problem that they're going to be up against, to his point about just making the playoffs, the Western Conference is better. And it was already really good. St. Louis improved. Calgary improved. Uh, the Blackhawks, if they get goaltending, are not going to be a yep. doormat again. So so just making the playoffs, I think, is going to be a real challenge for this franchise. Yeah. Um, and, yeah and, and he said he said as much there. Uh, he also, the, the hard knocks thing, this is another thing that coaches sometimes don't get. And I, and I didn't know if he got it or not, but he, but he just explained that he, or he just uh, uh, exhibited that he, that he gets the game that's really being played here. When HBO or Showtime knocks on your door, or ESPN, and they do these behind-the-scenes things, and they want to document you, PJ Fleck understands it. It's, it's marketing. It's marketing your program. It's marketing your team. It's marketing the sport. And in hockey's case, that's important. They need it. In really hockey. important. Yes. Now I, I could see in the NFL where I don't know how much more marketing you really need. The NFL right. is plenty of marketing, so I can see why teams are a little hesitant to go on hard knocks. Right. But in the NHL. The reason why you make the money that you do, and if you want to keep making that kind of money, you want to reach as many people as possible. And hockey is, even despite the NHL being around for several decades, uh, the NHL is still in growth mode, which is Absolutely. weird to say. It's still yeah. in growth mode. So to, he- to hear him say, you know what? A lot of guys don't want to reveal strategy and don't want the cameras in there. Okay, no, but we're, we're trying to grow the sport. But ho- I love his mindset. But hockey is the most ridiculous one to, to say that, that about when it comes to strategy. Yeah. Think about hockey. Hockey doesn't, it's got strategy, but everybody basically does the same thing. Yep. So there's no, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're really not. I think the problem with a lot of coaches and executives is they honestly think that they've got the solutions to life, right? They think they've figured everything out and that it, that's proprietary, and if we give this away, everyone's going to, to do the same thing. Like in hockey, the strategies are essentially largely the same. Yep. So, so now the question becomes, do you want to re- reveal your personality? And I think that's what coaches are afraid of. A, a lot of them are afraid to reveal who they are as people. Really? I don't know. Yeah. In football, they definitely are. Why? But I think a lot of coaches, because their whole life, because when you're brought up in sports, I think a lot of now, at least, the philosophy is don't show too much. Don't show too much emotion. Don't show too much. And, and a guy like Boudreaux on that show was fantastic because he's like, if you want me to show myself, if you want well, me to reveal my personality, I'll be more than happy to do so. You know what, though? Here's what I would say. Rex Ryan, between coaching jobs, and he might not ever get a coaching job again, and John Gruden, guess what? They make millions of dollars doing something else because they showed their personality as coaches. Yes. Because at some point, the coaching carousel comes to a stop, and you might be 50, you, you might be 40, you might be 50, you might be 60. But whenever that time comes, and there's going to be times where you get fired, and then there's a year or two layoff, and you just don't—you're not going to get a coaching job. You can make millions of dollars, and you can fulfill yourself doing media stuff if you put yourself. And does out it really there hurt too. you? Like, does it really? No. Does does being a button down? I'm not going to say a thing, and I'm not going. You're not going to get to know any part of me. Does yeah. that really help you? Yeah. You know who's probably bored between coaching jobs? Brad Childress. Yeah. Because he doesn't show any of his personality. Yeah. And he has some. We've seen it. He, and he has some personality. And he did a little bit, but then he got freaked out by it. And and so I think the most important thing is for for coaches. The really good ones are themselves. Yeah. They're just themselves. They're not trying to. You have so many coaches in different sports who look at the most successful coaches and copy that. Yep. If you're copying somebody else, 
it's going to cause you problems. Yes. Like, you can't be Belichick. Yes. Like, Brad Childress wanted to be Belichick, and then he wanted to be Dungy. It's like, just be Brad Childress. <laughs> and if you can't do that, you're probably a coordinator. He wanted to be Dungy, which means he didn't blink for long periods of time. Wanted the players to the love camera. him. Wanted the players to love him a year after wanting the players to fear him. I love watching uh, Sunday Night Football's pregame show and seeing how long it takes Tony Dungy to blink. It's been seven Rachel minutes. Nichols he hasn't used, blinked yet. Rachel there it Nichols. Is. We have hey, yeah, the ponchos. Only $3. Nice. What a deal, right? Uh, Rachel. <laughs> or two for $6. Nichols yeah, deal. used to have the same thing. I think she blinks now. But there was a time where, where you would watch her do like a sports center update or something, and they'd go to her, and she wouldn't blink. It's the weirdest thing when you realize a person's yeah. not blinking. I can't go more than 15 seconds or my eyes start to get all. Well, yeah, I know it's just or, it's ordinary <laughs> action to blink. Uh, Mackie and Judd, we're live at the Minnesota State Fair. Let's come back with our first 2018 pigskin pecking order. And if you miss Bruce Boudreau, he was wonderful 20 minutes ago or so. Uh, you can find that as part of Hour One. We're, we'll also isolate it as a separate featured part on our Mackie and Judd podcast feed, too. So, uh, and I believe Facebook Live was running on 1500 ESPN's Facebook page for at least a large chunk of that. So you can find it all over the place. Pigskin pecking order when we come back, Mackie and Judd.